You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast, the college football playoff expansion uh, episode of the play of the uh, of the podcast, not of the playoff. Uh, your host Kevin Parker, your co-host Scott Martin, here today to kind of talk about the news of the college football playoff expanding or likely expanding, however you want to phrase that, to twelve teams. The news that's been going around over the course of this past weekend here. And we'll talk about the playoff in general. And then I think there's some interesting points here to talk about with Michigan state and how we could have, or would have fared um, in some of our runs under Mark D'Antonio, where we were either in the playoff on the cusp of the playoff. I think there's some fun points that we'll, we'll hit on there. 2013, 14, 15, obviously we had a run where we would have been in this proposed playoff plan three years in a row, but uh, before we get to all that stuff, Scott, uh, it's a Sunday afternoon. I got some Euro uh, soccer matches on in the background here. Uh, how are we doing today? Doing good. Um, surprisingly decent sports weekend. We got some, obviously, NBA and NHL playoff action continuing. I actually watched a little bit of Euro, watched a little bit of the Detroit Grand Prix, the Belle Isle Grand Prix this morning. Uh, that was this weekend. I don't, I've never been to that, but I've heard good things. Um, I've yeah, been to so. the basically when they were doing like the trial stuff, like mm-hmm. before the race on on Belle Isle there. So haven't haven't been to the actual race though. Yeah, well, uh, it was exciting. The finish was great. Um, I didn't know really what I was watching, but it was pretty cool. But yeah, excited. I am a college football expansion fan. Uh, I know you have some mixed opinions on it which we'll get into but yeah excited to break this one down it's been a long time coming we've been kind of just waiting for it to become kind of the topic again you know within uh the national conversation and and the news this week brought that up in perfect time kind of in the doldrums of the offseason here so like I said long time coming and excited to uh finally break this down yeah if we were kind of talking before like if this podcast would have happened right around the time of the selection uh, process, I would have been a lot more passionate about it, to be honest. Um, We'll, we'll hit on it. There's still some things that I am very concerned about, but uh, at this point it's been building for so long. The momentum has been there for so long that I've, I've more or less accepted most of the, 
the realities. I, I still think there's uh, a, a few cans of worms that we're opening that we're, we're not really uh, given a whole lot of attention to. So I'll try to uh, explain my thought process uh, as well as I can here coming up, but we'll get to all that. Uh, like I said, you know, we, we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago, we did a podcast about like uh, the, the positives and negatives, optimism, pessimism, um, yeah, this is one thing that we've pretty much always disagreed on. So this will be fun. But uh, before we get to that, we did have a commitment that came through yesterday, Saturday. Uh, Quavian Carter, he is a currently listed as a safety, six foot four out of Georgia. Uh, Scott, I don't know if you got a chance to uh, check anything out about this kid, but uh, initial impressions about uh, the newest addition to the 2022 class yeah I mean it he he is listed as a safety the big question mark is will he play safety um he's got a big frame I think you mentioned six foot four um clearly has space to to grow uh to put some pounds on his frame I think there's chatter about him being a linebacker and when I hear a recruit like that you know with our scheme my mind kind of goes a few places. He may be a little big to play that slot corner hybrid um, just from a, from a height perspective, but um, it's, it's just, it's a cool prospect because you could mold him into a lot of different roles with the frame that he has where he's playing. Now he's got great closing speed. You could keep him at safety and keep him as a defensive back. You can push him to grow into an athletic linebacker. So yeah, really intrigued to see, um, what he grows into a great offer list. I know he has a Clemson offer, which <laughs> really made Twitter kind of lose its mind a little bit. Uh, MSU fans don't see, you know, recruits with Clemson offers coming to East Lansing too often. So that's exciting. Um, great offer lists through and through though. I mean, Michigan, Penn state, um, he had a few, I think Florida state, a few other national brands on there. So exciting recruit. Um, kind of one of those because of the offer sheet that makes you think like, are we still going to be talking about him in December come signing time? Or is this one of those like first visit gets caught up in the kind of the glitz and the glam of being on campus somewhere and makes, you know, just pulls the trigger and we'll see. I mean, hopefully sticks around, hopefully, you know, Mel Tucker sold him the right way. And uh, yeah, exciting one. It's funny you mentioned that. So, so one thing really quick on Clemson, because I, I had pulled this up, uh, there's a lot of schools that just, they offer a lot of kids. And so when you see, oh, well, he's got a Michigan offer. Well, so did 238 kids in the 2021 class, right? So he's got an LSU offer. Well, so did 200 kids in the 2021 class. Clemson is very selective in their offers. Uh, at the 2021 class, they offered 57 kids. The only schools that offered fewer were Northwestern, Washington, UCLA, and Stanford. Obviously, three of those schools have some pretty significant academic limitations where they don't have the full list of recruits available to them. So that part is really exciting that, that Clemson, when they want a kid, they offer him. It's not just, you know, hey, this kid's interesting. Let's, let's throw him an offer. So like you said, though, the other part was, I think that there was two sides of that where he committed on campus on the visit. And my first thought was more of the optimistic path of like, man, this, this is good news for Mel. It, it, it proves his ability to get kids in the door to show him, 
you know, where he fits in, in this whole thing and, and show him campus and show him the facilities and blow the kid away to the point where he commits on the spot. And then you start thinking about it a little more and, and where you mentioned there, Scott, where it's like, ah, but on the other side, like maybe it was a kid just making an emotional decision that, we still got a long ways to go before signing day or the early signing period even. Um, so that that's something that we'll have to monitor a little bit. Hopefully it's not something we have to worry about. And we got a great addition to this class. Like you said, it's somebody that has a great frame. I, I was watching his huddle tape uh, earlier today. He's got outstanding closing speed from the safety spot and, and breaks down pretty well in the open field comes with just velocity on his hits i mean he, he was laying dudes out so uh, i liked the the style of play that he has and obviously he fits all the mel tucker's kind of athletic profile being six four long arms uh he fits that whole bill so hopefully we got a building block to this class and the third commitment of the class already from the state of georgia which you love to see yeah it's interesting to see these new pipelines somebody tweeted that you know half the current commitments are from Georgia in that class three out of six and Gavin Brocious jumped in and said the other half are coming from Arizona <laughs> um it's which is interesting you know Georgia we've always had ties to back in the D'Antonio era um we were pulling DBs out of there pretty Chuck consistently Leonard, yeah I mean you know the Atlanta rap scene made it all the way to our locker room with Rich <laughs> Homie Quan. Um, so that one, it's, That's it's great still to one see. of those things that you go back. You're like, how in the world <laughs> did rich homie Quan end up singing his song in our locker room with Mark D'Antonio <laughs> with Mark D'Antonio after the big 10 championship. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, what a fun season. I think I mentioned, I don't know if his last week or the week before, but like the O sticks tires and gum time. And it feels like every good season has to have some really strange, like yeah. <laughs> character or, uh trend in it but um yeah, no, we'll I get to that 2013 team for sure like i said later on we'll we'll get to some of the kind of hypothetical moving backwards in the past what could have been a playoff bracket what where we would have been seated how that could have played out uh, we'll start to hit on that later in this pod for sure yeah to wrap up my thought because i lost it for a second um interested to see what this arizona I don't know if we can call it a pipeline yet, but this Arizona connection turns into, uh, I think it maybe kind of started up around Brian Lewerke, higher profile uh, quarterback recruit coming all the way up from Arizona at the time. And now we've got a couple connections there uh, and it's exciting to see. It's an area that, you know, it's, it's not always easy to pull somebody from, you know, the warm weather of Arizona uh, all the way up to East Lansing, Michigan. So hopefully they can continue to grow that pipeline and, uh, and it truly will become a pipeline for us. Yeah, what's like the opposite of a snowbird? It's like the the <laughs> hibernation bear. <laughs> <laughs> we'll workshop it. Yeah. It's good. We got some work to do. We got time. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's let's start hitting on this playoff stuff because there there's a lot that I want to get into. First, we'll we'll just talk about the playoff as a whole, uh, just to set this up for everybody and and kind of our thoughts about the potential expansion that's around the corner here, how the format sets up, uh, what the proposal is, and and kind of our thoughts in general, and then we'll hit on some of the MSU specific stuff. Go back into our little time machine and say, okay, well, if this format 
existed in these years, you know, what, how could we have fared? What would our bracket have looked like? Um, and, and what would we think we could have done? Could we have made some noise, you know, a little bit more than we did. And on the other side too, is, is, you know, me being the one who's, who's a little bit more anti expansion, like, would we have preferred this alternative to what we really got? Right. We'll, we'll start to hit on that. Think about like the 2014, you end the season with that cotton bowl against Baylor, you know, would we have preferred that or would we have preferred the, you know, behind door B so to speak of, of what could have happened in the playoffs. So just to set it up here, we got the proposal from the, the playoff committee that seems like it's pretty much going to be the case from everything I've been re- I've been driving myself crazy reading and listening to, to everything about this uh, because it's something that I, I'm really interested in. Um, it seems like this is the way it's going to be, right? So you got 12 teams, the six highest ranked conference champions. So you got the power five, assuming you'd have the power five plus a group of five school, but it does lock in at least one group of five school plus six at large teams. Then you have the four highest ranked conference champions would earn first round buys. So your top four seeds would get a buy and the requirement, the stipulation here is those top four teams have to be conference champions. So you're not going to get two sec teams with a, with a buy and, and everything that kind of, the dominoes that fall there. And you're not going to get a Notre Dame with a buy until they join a conference. And then the next four highest ranked teams would host teams ranked nine through 12 in a first round playoff games on campus. And then after that, all of the uh, games would take place on neutral sites. So you'd have a first round on campus, nine versus eight, 12 versus five, 10 versus seven, 11 versus six. The winners of those games go on to play the top four seeds. Uh, there's no reseeding or anything like that. Um, and, and the rest of the playoffs would be neutral sites. So I guess like first thought, Scott, when you saw this come across the timeline, the, the Twitter sphere, wherever you ended up seeing it, the group chat, initial thought, first thing that came across your mind was what? 12. was my first thought i i didn't think they would go all the way to 12 teams uh with this i i don't know if this is the latest expansion the final expansion i don't know um i i think we were talking eight teams quite a bit when we were you know going through different scenarios of expanding versus not expanding pros and cons of each um i think the 12 teams really just changes the dynamic and this is i'm sure one of your talking points although i i'll bring it up as a con i don't think it holds as much weight for me but it changes the dynamic of when you're trying to win a national championship a lot more of the work has to be done in the playoff versus in the regular season so um you still obviously have to have an outstanding season to make a 12 team playoff that's there's no ifs ands or buts about that um but that said, uh, you now have some lenience. Um, it'll change the way teams schedule. It'll change the way teams approach the playoffs. You got to think about an extra potentially three games. If you're 
a lower seed that doesn't get the buy and wants to, you know, map out a way to a national championship. So, I mean, yeah, that's more than my first thought. My first thought, I was very surprised to see 12 teams on this version. That said, I do kind of like it versus some of the eight and even 10 team uh, proposals that I've seen floating around. Yeah. So for me, like, again, first thought, it was basically to say it was like oh 12 okay <laughs> that's because i think as a whole college football media sphere it was eight forever right it was okay the the power five champions plus three at large or the power five champions plus the highest ranked group of five champion plus two at large or whatever you you but it was always eight and then all of a sudden they they just came out here with 12 and that was pretty surprising for me. So I've been in the anti-expansion camp, the 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 small, the few, the the proud, I guess, in a weird way. Um, I've I've warmed up to it. So the thing is, I it it sounds like it's it's all gonna sound hypocritical here. And I have a couple of talking points that I want to make sure I hit on, but it's like I'm going to, I, I want to make this like clear before I get into some of the negatives, because I think there are some, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this. I'm going to love watching the games. I'm going to probably gamble on all of the games. I I'm going to have fun. I'm going to watch. I'm going to have a blast. There's going to be some great matchups and it's going to be a good time at the end of the day. Right? So after all of this, that was kind of the first, like the first thought, whoa, 12. Second thought was ugh, like, all right, we're really doing this. And then the third thought was like, okay, you know what? This, this is probably going to be fun at the end of the day. So um, a couple points here that I want to hit on. Um, we'll we'll kind of go back and forth on this, but I've been reading a lot. I've been listening a lot to people that are, uh basically applauding this and saying, you know, this is the best decision. This is, this is progress. This is the way forward. Uh, this is going to change college football and, and however else you want to quantify it. So a couple points in the first, and I think the most important here, we'll start with is recruiting. I think a lot of the national media that I've been listening to that I've been reading is saying that this is going to be a driver for parity in the case of recruiting. You're going to have more teams that are able to compete for a national title. And that means that you're going to have recruits that are going to more schools. I calling complete bullshit on that. Like this isn't going to change shit for recruiting because we've seen the same schools recruiting at a high level forever. Like Alabama has never had a bad recruiting class. Ohio state has never had a bad recruiting class. And I think, especially when you, when you include the idea of the transfer portal, the way that I'm kind of seeing this play out, especially in the last couple of years is you get all the four stars, all the five stars, they're going to the same schools and everybody, the way that, that I think a lot of people are framing this is, they're going there because they know they can win a title there. I think maybe 25% of the, 
are really interested in winning a national title. And the other 75% are five-star kids that are like, are you going to get me to the NFL? And what round are you going to get me picked in the NFL? They don't give a shit about a national title. Like at the end of the day, they do, but that's not their primary focus in recruiting. So they're going to go to Bama. They're going to go to Ohio state. They're going to go to Clemson. And at the end of the day, if they don't get playing time, now that we have the transfer portal, they'll transfer out. And maybe we see somebody that chooses an Iowa state because, well, Hey, I can get playing time there and Hey, they're also competing for a playoff spot. So that's a nice bonus, but I don't see this changing shit. As far as the recruiting side of it, this isn't going to even the playing field and recruiting. We're not suddenly going to see a four-star quarterback go play at Cincinnati because they're now invited to the playoff. So that's kind of the first point here. I agree when we're talking about blue chip five-star kids. I don't agree when we're moving down the list. Um, Just because we're in the Midwest, I'll use the example of the Mac and the Big Ten, typically recruiting the same grounds. When you look at the, the guys that the mid and lower tier Big Ten teams are recruiting, you're often going up against the top group of five teams in the area. Currently, Michigan State's recruiting against Cincinnati pretty regularly. Currently, you, you know, we're recruiting against when Western Michigan was good. Um, and they had those, those, you know, those runs. So those teams, and I, I know that's a little bit more specific than the national um, scale, but those situations could change. I mean, when you're looking at, let's use Cincinnati and Michigan State right now as an example. Cincinnati's a team that with this, if this new format were implemented now, would be telling recruits, our goal is to make this tournament this year and every year. Um, Michigan State's path currently this year is a lot harder to get to the college football playoff. So that's a scenario that I think it could come into play. If they're recruiting Ohio State against Cincinnati, I think your argument is completely valid there. I think most guys are going to take the staff and the resources that Ohio State has to get them to the next level. But I do think it will shake some things up. That said, I don't think it's going to fix, it's not going to like, level the playing field through and through and put Ohio state up against air force for recruits. I mean, that's just not the reality of it. I, I heard a genuine argument that, well, what about now the four-star quarterback who, instead of being the second one in his class to go to Bama, what if instead he goes to Troy and I'm like, wait, what (laughs) we skipped over the rest of the power five here? Like what? Like, and of course there's extremes on both sides of this argument that aren't even worth bringing up because they're so ridiculous. And that's one of them, but no, I I think it's just, and, and that's, that's a good point. It's just at the end of the day, like, okay, if Cincinnati gets a couple more mid to high three star kids, right. Or if, if Western Michigan gets a, what, what does that do? that's not going to, that's not going to give them a chance at a national title. That's going to give them a a chance to, to dominate the AAC and maybe get them to be a power five team in the future. But like, are we really, are we really improving the group of five or are we just 
kind of building a couple G5 powerhouses that are, are going to be like the Alabama of the G5. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the point I was going to bring up is in this format, is there even an aspiration to move up to power five i mean tv deals are more lucrative and everything and i understand that but that's oh, they'd be they, getting so much more money they would but at the same time if you do develop into a powerhouse let's say cincinnati becomes the ohio state of the aac as ridiculous as this conversation yeah. sounds <laughs> do you and you're making the playoff three out of every four years would you rather join the big 10 and and scrap your way to like a third place divisional finish every year for more money Probably. Yeah. Like you, you would have to be legitimately like three, like 75% hit rate on the playoff to even come close to the money you would make. I mean, it's just the diff. And this is like, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to this, but like, this is where I've just been saying like G five power five, let's just do a separate deal here. I, because the money is so much different. I mean, yeah you look at how like how much money the bad power five schools are spending on Jeff Brom is making like $6 million a year at Purdue. Luke fickle is making like two and a half at Cincinnati. It's such a big difference between the power five and the group of five. So that's like, when we get, when we go back to it, where the whole, the, the one reason that I've, I've been like, okay, I can see the argument for expansion because, and it's, you get the occasional undefeated group of five team. And there is something wrong about the idea that an undefeated team doesn't get a chance to play for a national title. I can absolutely empathize with that. That makes sense. But that's where I go back to like, all right, well, let's just have them fight for their own title because like, it's it's pointless like i i don't can they like can they win a playoff game sure can they win two playoff games like maybe can they win a national title no what are we doing here i and that's where i'm like okay the whole point of this not the whole point of it the whole point of it was money but a large point of this was like let's make sure that the group of five is involved like why are we why are we making sure the group of five is involved instead of just letting the group of five do their own thing and having the power five do their own thing. Cause there's, it's that big of a difference to me. Yeah. And it's, we'll get into some of these scenarios. We'll use the years that MSU was in there to, to highlight a couple of those group of five instances uh, just for talking points, but no, you, I mean, you hit on what it was my primary, um, I guess, ammunition. My biggest reason to expand is that having that issue where you can win all your games and not get an opportunity to win a title. It's just fundamentally wrong in a sport. I mean, the whole point of a sport is to play games and win as many as you can to try to win a championship at the end. That's every sport in the world should be that way. And college football was denying. I mean, I'd rather be an FCS school and and have their awesome 16 team playoff, right. And win an FCS championship than be a group of five team, go undefeated and get like a, consolation new year's six bowl that half the other team isn't even playing because they're sitting out for the draft and like it's just an ugly detail to the sport that needed to be wrapped up and i honestly think that was probably the primary motivation other than money uh to expand to the format that we're looking at now 
Um, and that was a big one for me. I mean, it's just wrong. It's to be those kids, especially, I don't mean this in a too negative of a way, but especially guys playing in the group of five who probably aren't going to the NFL, their goal of winning a championship could mean a lot more to them than the guys at the upper echelon of the power five who are, they have NFL aspirations. And yeah, like you said earlier, if they win it, they want to win a title. And if they do it, it it's fantastic and, it, and they'd love it, but they have other goals too. If you're in a group of five, I mean, you know, you're probably not going to make it in the league winning a title or just having the opportunity to win that title is so much of a motivation for you. So um, I'm glad they're addressing that. I think 12 teams does help with that um, because it doesn't feel like you're giving away a group of five spot in like a small eight team format where every slot is so important and you're just like 12, but then you're, you get into the conversation of devaluing, what it means to even make a playoff, right? And and where is it? Like, what do you hang a banner for now? Like MSU was proud <laughs> to say we made it the college football playoff. You know, that's something we would brag about. 12 teams, you say you made a college football playoff, you're going to get a thumbs up now, you know, and a pat okay. on the back. And So that's, that's another point that I'm concerned about. So one is, and, and I've, I've been firm on this and I still will be of like, there are not 12 teams. There are not eight teams. There are usually about four teams, if not less, usually two to three, who not only deserve, but are capable of winning a national title in a given year. That's just the reality of it. And I like, that's part of my thing with expanding where I'm like, we're really opening the door for in 2020, late 2020 was a year, a weird year. I get it. But Florida lost the last two games of their season. One of them was a postseason game. I know it was against Alabama. It was a postseason game. They lost their last two games. They finished the year eight and three. And they're going to go to the playoff to, to have a shot at a national title. And on top of that, they would have hosted a, a playoff game. Like they had their chance at the playoff and they lost. And I, I've heard this argument. This is what drives me crazy is I've heard this argument many, many times. This isn't just one outlet. This isn't just one person, a random Twitter person. I've seen this everywhere of, well, now all of the schools have a chance to win a national title. And you can make that argument for the group of five, but you could not make that argument for the power five. Every power five school had a chance under the previous format. If you're a group of five school, fine. You can make that argument. Every power five team had that chance. I've seen it before with Iowa people. And that drove me nuts because the 2015 game the, the Big Ten championship game, we all knew it was a play-in game for the for the playoff. Whoever won that game was going to the playoff, 100%. No questions asked. And so the fact that Power 5 schools said, well, we never had a chance, win all your games. Like, that's your chance. And if, you're, if your athletic department doesn't care enough to put the coaches in place, to put the staff in place, to – spend the resources on recruiting 
that sucks and I'm sorry. And I don't really know what else to say, but you had a chance. If you were a power five school, you had a chance. So like when we start getting into this 12 now, and you start seeing some of the teams that would have been in the mix for a national championship, I'm like, there's a lot of these teams who have no business being there. So yeah, let's use this as an opportunity to pivot to some of these individual years. Um, So as an example, to put it in context for us MSU listeners um, and fans, 2011 is an interesting case study for Michigan State. Um, Depending on the ranking that you use to determine who would have made the playoffs back in 2011, it was a BCS year, so that's a, a computer model, but that was the leading decider back then. And then obviously the AP and the USA Today poll, depending on the polls, um, Michigan State would have been in a position, well, not depending on the poll, that year Michigan State would have been in position had they won that Big Ten championship to make a 12-team playoff. It would have essentially been a playoff game, just like you were just talking about in 2015, obviously different format, but um, we lost. We still would have been the AP had us at 12 after that big 10 championship loss. The BCS model had us at like 17. It didn't like that. We had three losses and I can't blame it. Um, And that's, that's one of those situations. Like that 2011 team was a special early D'Antonio team. It really, I think kickstarted the 2013 through 15 run. Um, And it was, it was one of our better teams that we had seen in our lifetimes at that point. But had no business being <laughs> no national championship conversation. Business, uh, no business. I mean, three losses. They weren't even like the best losses. We lost twenty four to three to a nine and four Nebraska team. <laughs> yeah. So, and the, the challenge here is that like with 12 teams, I think they, they went to 12, like I said, so that it didn't feel like they were giving the group of five too big of a reward um, for their talent level. Uh, that sounds kind of crass, but um, it's, you're going to get some teams in there and these on-campus games, which by the way, I think this on-campus thing is the best thing to come out of this. I think that is awesome. And we can talk about the weather and bringing Southern teams up into the Midwest in December. That's awesome too. But just having playoff football on college campuses is going to be awesome. Um, But yeah, you get into these first round games, you know, the bottom few teams uh, at large teams, or even, you know, the whatever group of five team or two sneaks in, you're going to see some teams that have no business with the ones at the top. Um, and I do like that they gave the buy because it rewards the best of the best above, you know, like a 12 team, like, um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. There's, I mean, currently every team that makes it is a team that you say, okay, well, even that number four, like they probably won't, but I, you know, they could, they could win it. That's not going to be the case anymore. You look at these 12 number 12 teams sometimes, and it's just, they're not going to have a chance going in. And that's where I get back to like, I, I was never, I was never anti-expansion because I thought four was perfect and we had the perfect system or anything. But at the end of the day, how many times were there more than four? How many times are there really more than two? And it's not that often. 
how many times there are more than four? Never. There's I very, and you would have to have extreme circumstances. Uh, somebody had an injury. Some like 2015 Ohio State probably could have competed for a national title, but they didn't take MSU seriously in their own building. They lost and they lost their chance at a national title. And I love that about college football. And in this 12 team format, doesn't matter because they're still getting in and they're probably still going to go on and, and make some noise and potentially win a national championship. And that's fine, but you're, you're losing out on so many like really awesome moments in college football, but you, you start getting like, even with the eight proposed eight team playoff, like you, you're just getting some bad teams and I shouldn't say bad, but you're not getting great teams and you're getting teams who have no business competing for a national title. And I know that college football is, you know, there's like the graphics going around where like only 2% of the sport gets into the playoff or something like that. And comparing it to other sports, but college football has never been like other sports. And I like, I get the whole argument that like, well, just because it's, it's different doesn't mean it's good or something like that. But I don't know. That's, that's part of the charm of college football. And I, that just sounds dumb, but it is. And that's the reality for me, but I don't know. There's a couple more points I want to hit on just real quick hitters, but that's, that's one sticking point for me that I still will not a hundred percent let go of. It's like, it's going to be fun and I'm going to watch it. But that doesn't mean that I believe that all 12 of these teams have any business being there. Yeah, it's I mean, at the end of the day, the reason this is a contentious debate is because there's positives and negatives of expansion Um, and you're going to lose things. You're going to gain things. And depending on which things mean more to you, that'll determine if you if you appreciate the expansion or you're, you know, hesitant about it. Um, And and there are things that are going to be lost and you know, you look at college football versus the NFL and the NFL, you lose week one. You're like, yeah, that's not how you wanted to get started, but you know, you can absorb some losses and the playoffs are still there. And it there's for me personally, just anecdotally Saturdays feel more special than Sundays. I'm a big Lions fan. I love NFL football. Um, but, and, and maybe it's because I'm a Lions fan. We're never really competing for the playoffs anyway, but um, every game, in on Saturdays feels like a powder keg. Like there's so much wrapped up in it. Um, and it's just, it's got a different edge to it throughout the season. I don't think we're going to lose that entirely, but I do think this format holds it back a little bit. Um, you know, look at a scenario where Ohio state and Michigan are playing the last game of the year. Ohio state's like undefeated, they've got the East title in the bag, Michigan, you know, whoever's in second has two losses uh, in the division. So they know they're going to Indy. They know if they win in Indy, they're making the playoff, right? Well, we're going to rest the guys. We got a lot of games in this playoff coming up. Assuming we win the big 10 championship, we're going to rest some, you know, some banged up dudes against Michigan. And then the game becomes, and then, you know, Michigan wins. Okay. Well, Ohio state was resting their guys. And I mean, I don't have a, a horse in that race, but it's just an example of we've seen it with bowl games now and it's, it could happen. 
and that's it's just weird weird fallout like that that like you said at the top of the podcast i think there's areas that are being ignored for the sake of money and expansion and more football um and uh yeah i mean there's positives and negatives and we're going to lose some things about it but yeah we're, let's we're 100 percent going to see teams resting players um really quick before we get to the msu stuff because i i just have a couple stuff written down that i want to make sure i hit on uh money yeah it's <laughs> i wrote down this is a corporate cash grab that for some reason everybody supports so that was funny uh <laughs> and then the SEC, like if if you're worried about the SEC being everything, uh, just wait until they get five teams into a 12 team playoff, and they get all, <laughs> and they get all the money, and it's just the gap is going to keep growing. Okay, um, fans, it's really cool that one game is on campus potentially for some schools. I, as as a a broke student who found a way to, you know, drive down to Dallas with you for a college football playoff game, barely because we had, we had gone to the big 10 championship game too. And I remember after the big 10 championship game, even, or, or during the big 10 championship game being like, all right, even if we win this, like I can't swing a trip to Dallas too. Like you start getting into some dicey situations of, of with, three neutral site games like there's no way a student's going to be able to travel for all of them and even for like a pretty well-to-do family or you know business per like as a as an adult like i can't swing three trips to go see but like that's kind of sucks uh but having one tame one game potentially on campus is awesome you at least get to experience one of those in person for a reasonable price and the last thing and i think this is the thing that that really sticks with me that i think a lot of people are not really counting for and i think is going to be outrageously annoying for everybody five years from now when we look back and it's just wow this might have been a bad idea for everybody that complains right now and i know everybody out there listening has done it at least once when there's an MSU versus Penn State relatively irrelevant game and there are 35 playoff advertisements throughout the course of the game because it's on ESPN, just wait until it's a 12 team playoff. You thought it was you thought the playoff was everything when it was four teams? Just wait till it's 12 teams. I mean there there's going to be nothing else for the entire season. And if you don't make the playoff, total irrelevance complete and total irrelevance for everybody that doesn't make the playoffs so i just that's that's one of those things where i'm like okay are we really thinking this thing through here because we're all annoyed at how much the attention a 14 playoff gets 12 team playoffs man like if you're a if you're a you know let's say you're heading into november and you're a 6 and 3 team who you're already you're already out of a 12 team playoff unless your wins and losses are against some ridiculous weird schedule nobody cares your fans are of course going to care we're going to care but nationally you're completely off the radar by now you're done because you're not in the 12 team playoff and that's something i'm 
genuinely very concerned about because we're going to see a hundred advertisement. This, this, you know, if this coming season was a 12 team playoff, right? Michigan state's not going to make it. And we're probably going to have five, six games on ESPN because we always do. And that late season game against, you know, fill in the blank Maryland, we're going to see 50 different college football playoff advertisements shown in that game. And everybody's going to go on Twitter and complain about how often they're advertising the playoff. And I guarantee everybody that was posting on Twitter, complaining about it was also pro playoff expansion. So I just want everybody to remember which side of this we're on. Right. And to tack on one extra point on that. um, If the game like you mentioned, MSU, Maryland, whatever game it is late season, if the game's not close, the whole second half commentary is going to be talking about just playoffs. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Who should be in? What do you think about this group of five team? It's it, they already do it now. Um, they just ignore the game that's on unless a, something big happens, you know, maybe, yep. maybe oh, uh, let... touchdown Maryland. Yeah. So what do you As, think about this Ohio state quarterback situation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's unfortunately that's the nature of the beast, whatever the format is, they're going to promote what makes them money. And it's a whole lot easier for them to prepare talking points around the college football playoff and to actually research the teams in front of them and talk <laughs> about like, Oh, it's a blowout second half, but we've got some up and coming, you know, risers on these teams getting some playing time, you know, which one sticks out to you that could be impactful next year. (laughs) That'd be great coverage, but they're not going to do that. They're going to talk about the college football playoff because they can talk about it every week and they don't have to refresh their talking points. So yeah, it's it's a corporate cash grab that for some reason, all of America is just like, yeah, we love that. (laughs) We're all, we're all in. Yeah. At the end of the day, the game's changing. Um, I think we're kind of at the cusp of an entirely new era of college football. We're in the middle of the transition now going from, I think essentially it's when we look back at this, it's going to be going from the bowl game era to the playoff era. And I know we have a playoff now, but I think it's the bowl games. They're not, they're probably going to stick around again because of money, but I mean, who's like the Alamo bowl is that much more irrelevant when oh, 12 yeah. teams are in a playoff, you know? And, and I, I know most of the bulls are already irrelevant and I wouldn't mind paring them down quite a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's the playoff era. You add in the transfer portal, um, you add in name image likeness and potentially paying players in the next decade, uh, just straight up from schools. We'll see how all that plays out. I mean, when you look back 30 years from now, this we're in the middle of a transition now and the game is going to be drastically different in two years, five years, 10 years from now, it's going to keep changing. And it's, it's going to, it's not going to, not going to resemble the football. Well, the game will, but the, the, the maybe narrative around (laughs) it, maybe the narrative around it will change quickly. Yeah. No, it's, it, you know, what I do like though is, is will always be an answer to a trivia question. You know, it, it, <laughs> like, you know, there, there's all these people floating around the tweets of 78% of the, of the four team playoff bids went to the, you know, like, but we were one of them, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. us, it's Washington. Like we're the two schools, I think that, that are kind of the, the butt of the joke usually, but it's like, Hey, we made it. I don't, I don't care. You could say whatever you want about how we got our asses kicked against Alabama. 
we were one of so few selective schools that actually made a four-team playoff and that's always going to be something we can hang our hat on as as msu fans is like yeah you remember that four-team playoff man like nobody could get into that it was just it was like well we did yeah you remember (laughs) we always got that speaking of so um that was 2015 obviously but let's start bringing this msu stuff in so we'll start in 2013 i I talked a little bit about 2011 we would have been right on the cusp probably wouldn't have made it real quick uh, just to hit like the quick before we get into so 2011 you mentioned 2017 was the other one that i i brought up like that was we wouldn't have been in it but we were kind of hanging around. We were even at number 12 right after, if, if everybody remembers, we upset Penn State. After that game, we hit number 12 in the college football playoff rankings. So as a Michigan State fan, that would have been a, an interesting kind of fun wrinkle on that season, hanging that right was, around um, the edge of that number 12 seed. So that, that was kind of one I wanted to mention as well. I think that was after week 10. So it would have been almost a full season of, being in the playoff race. And then the next week we got drubbed by Ohio state, but. right. And 48, three or something. Yeah. <laughs> that put a rest, put it to rest. But yeah, that was, that was a season where we would been right around 12 kind of hanging around for a lot of the season. So, but yeah, 2013, we'll start there. So 2013, obviously we remember it as the Rose bowl year. Uh, I, I have heard more than a few Michigan state fans say, that was our best team of the three, even though it didn't make a playoff. Uh, after the Big Ten Championship, we were number three. So we would have had one of those first round buys. We wouldn't have had to play a game on campus after the uh, Big Ten Championship. And this one's our- fun, too, because it was the year before even the four-team playoff. We, we would have made a four-team playoff, right? Yeah. So, like, this is even hindsight of, like, what could we have done in a normal playoff, let alone this 12-team field? Yeah, so as we go through this, we're not going to go through every team and every seed, but the top four that year was Florida State, which I know is one of Kevin's all-time favorite college football teams. Uh, Number two was Auburn, kind of a weird, like, no-star Auburn team. We were looking through uh, that roster before we started here. We were number three. The Stanford team we played was number four. And then if you just look kind of in our corner of the, the bracket there, we would have been playing the winner of Oklahoma and Baylor, um, which would have been an interesting Big 12 rematch. Um, A rematch where Baylor won 49-17 earlier in the year. So, (laughs) yeah, again, Um, like 12-team playoff. Hey, Oklahoma's getting in after losing by 30 points to Baylor. Like, all right, whatever. And on the other side of our half of the bracket, Auburn would have been playing the winner of Ohio State and Oregon so three powerhouse brands you're an Oregon guy huh (laughs) is it Oregon am I supposed to say Oregon I have cousins who live there and I still don't know so I (laughs) I just I'm an Oregon guy but Oregon I guess I like that oh at the at the end um yeah so Auburn Oregon and Ohio State Ohio State would have been hosting Oregon yeah see now I'm switching I don't know you're in my head. Um, so when we look at this, um, it's an interesting bracket. Uh, we wouldn't have likely played Stanford unless it was the national championship. We would have had a, 
you look at the the Stanford team we played in the Rose Bowl and the difference between that and playing <laughs> the winner of Oklahoma and Baylor. Um, yeah, Kevin, how do you think uh, we would have fared in that in that first round? Who do you think we would have been facing, and how do you think we would? So, I, it's one of those where okay, it's hard to beat a good team twice, but Baylor beat Oklahoma forty-one twelve. I think it's safe to say they would have won that game again. Like if you're beating a team by 30, that that's you're you're the better team. Right. So I, I'd assume we'd be playing Baylor, which is an interesting wrinkle because obviously we played them the very next year. So we kind of have a feel of what that looks like already. Same coach, same quarterback, similar group around them. So we already got a, a glimpse of what what that looks like. And like you said in the beginning, there's a lot of people who think that 2013 was our best team. I'm one of them. I, I think that 2013 with Darquez Denard and Trey Waynes, especially against a Baylor type, an Oklahoma type who wants to spread it out, throw the ball. When you have two lockdown corners who just man up against your two best guys, especially against that type of offense, I mean – you're able to lock down two guys and, and just put them on islands. It makes it really difficult. We, we played Baylor in 2014 and our defense obviously had some problems in that game. It was what 41 to 42 was the final score, but we only had Trey Waynes because dark West Denard was gone. I think when you have both of those corners, it makes a pretty big difference. I think we could have somewhat handily beaten either of those teams. I think by, by a touchdown, or, or more, I think we could have, have won that game. And then the next round, you're going up against the winner of Ohio State and Oregon playing Auburn, who ended up playing in the last BCS national championship against Florida State. F Ohio State, obviously, we beat in the Big Ten championship that year. Auburn, in the year of the kick six against Alabama, everybody remembers that game. Again, like you mentioned, it was kind of a, a lack. There was a lack of star power on that Auburn team, but that would have been an interesting dynamic to see who we would have come out of that bracket, who we would have faced uh, moving on. Yeah, um, Ohio State would have been an interesting one. We did not win that game in the Big Ten Championship by getting lucky. We beat that Ohio State team. I mean, 34-24, we were scoring at the beginning, we were scoring at the end, we were hanging with them, and we beat them. We made more plays than them. So it's hard to beat the same team twice, but we would have had, I would have said, the same chances, if not a little bit better chances than we did in the Big Ten Championship going in. Um, but the Auburn one's interesting because they're so run-focused that year. That year they had their quarterback only – passed for about 2000 yards it wasn't a monster th throwing season but they had trey mason their leading rusher with 1800 rushing yards their quarterback had a thousand rushing yards and they had two more rotational backs with 600 or more yards and six rushing touchdowns each so basically if you can stop their run you can beat them if you can't uh you can't beat them that a lot of MSU listeners will probably remember was <laughs> the best rushing defense. We've yeah, probably... everybody listening. That's an MSU fan is like, well, that sounds like something that's right up our alley. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think we looked we up 86. We were allowing 86 rushing yards a game that year. I'm sure Auburn would have exceeded that number, but 
we were the best rushing defense in the country that year. And they were the best rushing offense in the country that year. So I can't say for sure we would have shut them down. Um, but being the one-dimensional team they are, they're not going to beat you over the top. You build, a, you build a lead against that team and you just contain that running game. I think we would have had a legit shot there too. So all in all, this whole half of the bracket would have been, I think, pretty favorable for MSU. I agree. I think this is the best team we ever had. I often say I wish we could put the 2014 offense with the 2013 defense. Those 2014 guys were there in 2013, um, just not quite as polished. So, And then you get to that Florida State team, likely at number one. I'll let you break that one down. Yeah, so I, like you said, I think we could have very – reasonably gotten out of our side you know Auburn is is a matchup for us and and Ohio State we already beat them once so if Ohio State ended up beating Auburn we already beat them once by 10 points on a neutral field we could do it again but Florida State this is something I see it come around on Twitter like every three or four months of 2013 we should have been national champions I'm just gonna roll off some some things about that Florida State team because I think if you're a Michigan state fan and you think, Hey, we were better than Auburn that year. Okay. Like you, you have a legitimate argument to say that, but the hypothetical of us beating Florida state, I've just never been able to get behind. So a couple of quick things here, you got 17 players that were all ACC. Yeah. Well, ACC. Okay. Not a great conference. Well, they had 10 all Americans, 10 all Americans. 23 draft picks on that team, 11 players that were drafted were drafted in the first two rounds. So it's not just accumulating sixth and seventh round guys. Like, you know, kind of we did, uh, you had 11 guys get drafted in the first two rounds and I'm just going to rattle off some of the games on their schedule. So they opened the year with a conference game at Pitt, 41, 13, Nevada, 62 to seven. Uh, they went uh, ranked games. So at home against Maryland, tw- Maryland was number 25 in the country at the time, 63 to zero at number three, Clemson on the road, number three, Clemson. They won that game 51 to 14. They came back two weeks later after blowing out North Carolina state against number seven, Miami at home. 41 to 14. They blew out everybody that year. They put up 80 points in a game that year. They put up 59 or more like five times. They were rolling through that entire season. So not only did they have the talent, they, they beat Florida on the road, 37 to seven. They won the ACC championship game against Duke, but a ranked Duke team, 45 to seven. They did everything and they blew out everyone. And so I, I reasonably think we could have beat anybody in the country in 2013, except for Florida state. I think they were that good. I think they're one of the best college football teams of all time. And I think there's somebody that doesn't get enough credit for being so. Um, so that said, I think in 2013 with this 12 team format, we would have gotten in the playoff. We would have made a lot of noise. We could have gotten to a national championship. I just don't think we were winning that game. Yeah, it's hard to go against that. I'm not going <laughs> to make the case. Um, I'll say something that I, I rarely say, but I think that 2013 team, when you look at where we did get lucky, most of that year we won 
fair and square. I think we got lucky in the matchup against Stanford. Um, it was, it was a Stanford, perfect matchup for us. That's... It was. I mean, they're just not the team that's going to – you're not going to lose your grip on them. They might just beat, push you back into your own end zone over and over, but it's not like you're playing an Oklahoma team or, you know, one of the better Oregon or Ohio State teams that have just athletes everywhere and you're, you know, at your wit's end just trying to, like, keep tabs on everyone. Um, it's a very – X's and O's matchup. Everything's in front of you. They're trying to execute better than you. And that's, you know, that's where, what the game comes down to. So when I look at like, okay, how would we have been against Florida state? I don't know. Um, because that team never really played an elite out of conference matchup that would give us any indication of how they would have fared against Florida state. The only, and they, and they did lose a game against Notre Dame. I mean, I know the officials, that's a whole nother conversation in that. Well, I think it was week two against Notre Dame that year, but they had flaws that year. They executed well. They won their games. They had flaws and that Florida state team found every flaw in every opponent and blew it up. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, it probably would have been again, <clears throat> excuse me, the best team we've had in our lifetime. Well, it was, but it would have been the best season. Um, but that brings us to 2014, which is an entirely different scenario. I'll let you, let <laughs> yeah, you tee different it up. set of circumstances. This is one of the, we were kind of talking pre-show is like the 2013. Yes. But then 14 and 15, it's like, Oh, this would have been fun. We would have gotten this matchup. And then of course, with both years, we have Bama just waiting right around the corner. So, uh, 2014, we would have been the eight seed which would have been a lot of fun for, for one simple reason. We would have gotten a home playoff game. So we would have hosted Ole Miss, who would have to come up from, from Mississippi in, yeah, what, late December, early January, whatever the, the, the time of that game is. I don't know how they're doing the schedules. We would have come up to Missis- from Mississippi to play in East Lansing, um, which would be awesome in itself. So... Ole Miss was the nine seed that year. Uh, when you go on to look at their actual final kind of rankings and schedules, well, they had their whole season vacated by the NCAA. So you're not going to see uh, what actually happened on there. But they did beat Alabama that year, uh, but they had a couple losses. So the the thing here is they lost three of their last five games. They were undefeated for for a good portion of the year. They had beaten Alabama. They were rolling the last part of the year, they started just falling off a cliff. They lost to LSU. They lost to Auburn. They lost 30 to nothing to an unranked Arkansas team. So they were trending the wrong direction and they ended up getting blown out in their bowl game as well. But uh, we would have faced them in the playoff game with the opportunity for the winner to play the one seed Alabama that year. Yeah, and that one seed Alabama team, I mean, it feels like every Alabama team is loaded. Uh, <laughs> but this one in particular, when you look back, you see the pictures of like, um, you know, all their different running backs. They had Derrick Henry, TJ Yeldon, Kenyon Drake, and at the time, Elvin Kamara. Who couldn't get all, snaps. <laughs> who couldn't get Elvin Kamara, the best running back in the NFL right now, could not get snaps on the 2014 Alabama football team. Um, so. Yeah, I think this one's a little quicker. 
I think we pretty clearly would have beat <laughs> Ole Miss at home. And I think we pretty clearly would have gotten walloped by Alabama. Although As we I think we have. would have scored because <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah. that was That's the best offense in our lifetime. They averaged over 500 yards per game. None of the other D'Antonio teams averaged over 400 total yards per game. So we would have found the end zone, um, but they would have found it a lot more. So, so instead of what was it? 36, nothing, 39, nothing. Um, maybe it would have been like 45 to 10, right? <laughs> I would take it. I don't know. I'll take it. Double digits. But yeah, I, don't but know. I, I would assume that would be a loss. That was the Alabama team who lost in the semifinal to Ohio state who won the national title that year behind that late season run of Zeke Elliott, which was just ridiculous. He went for like 350 a game over the last like five games of that season when they were on their third string quarterback winning a national title. But yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry, Amari Cooper, they were not winning that game. Nick Saban has proved it a couple times against Michigan State. So yeah, the 2014 would have been fun because we would have hosted a playoff game, like I said, but at the end of the day, it was it was a one-round uh, tournament for us. And then 2015, moving along, we would have been the three seed. So you had Clemson as the one seed that year, Alabama as the two, Michigan State as the three, Oklahoma as the four. Obviously, a little bit different than the way it actually played out, right? Because... Um, or was that the same seating? I'm trying to think now because yeah, we were obviously in that playoff. The controversy was putting us at three instead of four and having to play Bama right. instead of Clemson because we were at five and we jumped out or we jumped Oklahoma after we beat Iowa. Right. Okay. So yeah, obviously that was the year we actually made the playoff and that was the four team field but we would have had a new set of circumstances because we wouldn't have been going straight into a game against Alabama. We would have had a, a little warm up game first. So we'd be the three seed. We'd have the bye, and we'd be taking on the winner of TCU at Stanford. Um, that TCU team was, uh, it was good. I mean, Trayvon Boykin was a dual threat quarterback. He was fourth in the Heisman race but they had lost to both Oklahoma schools by a combined 21. I guess that Oklahoma game was a one point game. Um, their only real ranked win on the schedule was against Baylor. Uh, it was a seven point win. They had the Stanford team in 26 or 2015. They beat uh, USC twice. It was a good USC team. They won the Rose bowl against Iowa 45, 16 that year it was a pretty good Stanford team. So Again, we, we go back to that 2013, like I think Stanford would have beaten TCU. And I just think with our given play styles between the two of us, Stanford's a really good matchup for us. And I think we were better than Stanford that season. So I think we absolutely could have gotten out of that first round, unless you think different. No, second yeah, round, I think I guess. Uh, our first game, the second round. Um, yeah, I think we uh, would have beat Stanford. I don't think TCU would have been able to make enough plays against that stout Stanford team. Um, and, you know, as we're talking here, just a quick prediction that when you look at how these matchups play out, the first round is right after the conference championship. So a week or two after that conference championship weekend, um, which speaking of what's going to happen with the army Navy game, but that's a side point. <laughs> um, 
the second round, so where the top four teams are brought into the picture, is going to be this January 1st or when January 1st falls on a Sunday, January 2nd uh, games. Then you get into the what we know of now as you know the four teams, the semifinals and the finals, and you know they don't they haven't really talked about how they're going to schedule that, but it's going to be interesting because it's almost going to be three different phases. You're going to have almost the play-in games. Um, I don't know if I, they probably won't brand it that Definitely way. Definitely, the, they will not brand it as the play-in games. But the play-in <laughs> games. Um, and then you'll have your bowl games and then you'll have your essentially semifinals, finals, the right. college football playoff as we know now. So that I think that's point. really going to be, is going to be interesting that I think that's going to be the mark. You know, we were talking about what do you hang a banner for now? You know, making the playoffs, you're going to get a pat on the back instead of being able to use it, you know, post it everywhere, put it, use it as a recruiting tool. Cause it's just not going to mean as much. I think making that semifinal is still going to be the thing. I think that's going to be the majority of the spectacle where those top four teams I, come together. I would say getting to the, like, as far as branding your program would probably be getting to that eight, because it it's either that you were, it's either you got a buy you were good enough to get a buy or that you at least won one of the playoff games, right? That that's kind of the way I would look at it. I would, yeah. as with my like personal view, I would think it's a it's a semifinal thing. But I, I think teams are really going to brand that. You know, we were one of the eight. Like we either got the yeah. buy, we won a playoff game. I, I think that's going to be a big deal in in a lot of people's eyes. And they're gonna do you do you have a football final four now? I mean, do they? I don't think they would infringe on their final four branding. Uh, that's a good question. They have to name it something now that it's right. completely separate from bowl season. You have these semifinals <laughs> and finals. There's fantastic be four is taken. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, but anyway, at the end yeah. of the day though, going back to 2015 is the end result is Bama's waiting around the corner for us again. <laughs> yep. And we know how that ends. Yeah. So um yeah so that's that it's really interesting we'll try to find the tweet put it on uh give it a retweet or something but one of the athletic writers broke down this format over the last 10 seasons who would have made it you know which teams how many bids they would have got we would have gotten three i think michigan would have got two um they have a full breakdown at full team list so if you're curious check that out uh, I think it's pretty interesting just to add a little bit of context to what we're looking at in the, you know, the next decade of college football. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, it's, it's going to be fun. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it. I just have a lot of hesitations and I, I think I hit on everything that I wanted to, as far as that side. So I, I hope everybody kind of understands the nuance that that's involved here in the context of everything. So, um, and the MSU side of it's pretty fun as well. So uh, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, but uh, we're looking at potentially two years from now. So two more seasons in the current format. Um, So I I guess the only note there is that, you know, this 12 team expansion could be coming along right around Mel Tucker's first senior class of his recruits. So the first read into that playoff. as much as you'd like. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully he'll have things coming together around the time to, to start knocking on this 12 team 
the door of this 12 team field. So yeah, it uh, sounds like the next two years of a four team playoff are pretty secure. So this coming season and one more. And then after that is when kind of the door opens for, for expansion. So we'll see how it all plays out. Hope everybody really enjoyed this episode. I think it's, it's some good, it, it fell in a good time for us. Like you said at the beginning, Scott, because we're in the middle of, of just nothing really happening. We had one commitment and that's about it. Um, so as far as off season content goes, uh, I would say this is a pretty good episode by us. Uh, pat on the back for, for the standing room Spartans podcast, uh, follow on Twitter at standing room MSU uh, at Spartan Martin 18 uh, is where Scott, you can find Scott on Instagram at standing room Spartans. Uh, the website, standingroomspartans.com. Uh, we always say it at the end of the podcast, like, yeah, we're going to try to write more. And then we never end up doing it. So <laughs> we're, we're going to try. I actually have more time coming up in the summer. But um, guys, like we we all have, we we both have full-time jobs. We're, we're, we're trying. We're, we're trying to do the best we can for all of you. We're, we're not getting any money for any of this as we speak right now. So it's sometimes hard to find motivation for for writing and podcasting but we'll 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 make sure we get to it before the season starts coming around but um yeah other than that leave a review if you're so kind on apple podcast tell your friends tell your family share the podcast we always appreciate new support new fans new listeners whatever you want to call it and and new feedback on social media new interaction is always fun so Hope everybody has a great Monday. Hope everybody has a great week. And we will talk to you next week on the Standing Room Spartans podcast. As always, go green. Go white. And take care, folks.